Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Destroy to Shin podcast. My name is Elijah Stacey, and I'm the founder of the nonprofit organization Destroy to Shin and the host of the Destroy to Shin podcast. Today we have with us, which is a first, we have a father um, of a child with shin muscular dystrophy, Nathan. So welcome, Nathan. It's great to have you here. Thanks. It's good to be here. So, um, yeah, this podcast is going to be really unique, as I just said. Um, we have a father, and so it's going to be cool to see the perspective of a father. We had mothers before, and we have tons of people with shin, but um, to hear from the father, I think, is going to be a unique perspective, and, and I'm very interested um, in getting to see that point of view. So I guess let's just kind of start off with the basics. Um, how old is your son? What's your son's name? Yeah, so my son, his name is Brendan Arthur. Uh named after Brendan the Navigator, which of course we didn't re- realize he'd be powering around in a, in a navigating his chair his whole life. But Brendan, St. Brendan the Navigator and King Arthur, uh, the bear of Britain, and he is uh, nine years old, nine years old, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nine years old, okay, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, is there anything that you like to do with your son? You know, any like sports or like, I don't know, activities you like to do that, you know? Well, he has always been, he's not, he has not been a sports guy, um, mainly because my wife and I read a lot, and um, he also has, uh, he was slowing down with his um, mobility before he really got into any of that, but we do love board games mm. uh, and good, like, complicated character board games, uh, so that's a real joy for me right now. It's just me and him, his younger brother, um, who does not have DMD, uh, can't read yet. So um, it's just Brendan and I right now, and we play a lot of board games. Um, Also, he's really big into nature and reading. So he's, gosh, uh, got a lot of facts (laughs) that he likes to just throw out there. Um, But, yeah, those are probably the big things is uh, nature. We camp, uh, which all of us love camping um, and uh, reading and board games. And you guys are from Oklahoma, right? Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Another> <laughs> Sorry. Darkness from Oklahoma, my bad. Um, Good country out there. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin. Okay, so, so you like to camp, so that's kind of why I brought that up. So where do you guys like to go, you know, um, camping and whatever? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we have, ever since he was literally six weeks old, see, he was born out in Oregon, and we moved from Oregon when he was two uh, or three. Um, so we used to camp out in the mountains, but we've camped all the way across the country, uh, road tripping. Now we just go up north, uh, to the North woods. Uh, we were just there a couple weeks ago, uh, tent camp. Um, we've definitely had to make some modifications lately so we can get a bed that works for him to get in and out of pretty easily. But um, yeah, we love we love going out where it's wild and uh, lots of loons and um, uh, bald eagles. Uh, yeah, so not you know we're close we're close to campsites so really like two two to four hours away. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, this is always a, a fun question. Um, 
Does your son have a, a favorite food? Something that you like to share? Oh, he can really put down the pizza. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he's a good eater. Uh, I think pizza. Uh, but he also really, really loves steaks. So when we when we splurge and 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 go for some steak, he um he he goes to town on that. He loves mustard. He's nice. He's my mustard and uh, pickled food mm. guy. So he loves um all things spicy. Mm. He loves wasabi um <laughs> in large quantities. Uh, he loves hot sauce uh, and mustard. So yeah, he's uh. He likes to keep it pretty, uh, pretty rich. Okay, and he's nine years old, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm down a steak already. Okay, okay, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. All right, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Favorite dessert? Does he have a favorite dessert? Um, oh, well, hmm. He's he and his brother are pretty diverse on the dessert options. They'll eat just about anything that's dessert, mm. especially if it's cold. Mm. So, okay, yeah, like <laughs> try to keep the freezer pretty well stocked for them. Okay, um, yeah. I guess going straight into it about um, the shin now. Um, when did like did you ever hear about the shin? Did you know it was a disease before before your son's diagnosis, or when did you first kind of come in contact with uh, the shin muscular dystrophy? Um, it it came on really fast. Um, he was always Brennan was always um, behind with his gross motor skills, so going up and down stairs, jumping, uh, running, he was. Um, he, he was pretty limited in that regard and we weren't quite sure what was going on. We thought maybe it was because we lived in a small house for the first couple of years um, without stairs. So he didn't get the practice. Uh, and so we had him working with a physical therapist when he was in 4k in preschool and then kindergarten. And um, he just, he wasn't making a lot of improvement. So I was going to have a meeting with his physical therapist on Monday and uh, this was back, this was three and a half years ago when he was six, uh, five. Yeah, five. Um, and, uh, and my wife and I were just sitting there watching TV one night after the boys went to bed and she, um, she was on her iPad and, uh, and I just heard her, I, I just heard her say, oh no. She she gets pretty emotional about things, so I wasn't quite like I just thought. Well, I'll just keep watching TV, and if it's really bad, she'll say something, and we'll see if it's significant. She's like, "What if? What if Brendan has Duchenne muscular dystrophy?" And I'm like, "What is that?" Um, she's like, "He shows he's got all the signs," and um. She showed me some videos and I thought, ah, it looks a lot like Brendan. Even the like, even the apparently muscular calves, which everyone had been talking about for years. Um, and I said, okay, 
she was leaving for the weekend. So I, uh, I said, okay, see what the physical therapist says. And I remember um, th that weekend, I was by myself with the boys. She left, but she was thinking about it. I was home with the boys. I was thinking about it. And I called my dad and I said, I don't know what I would do if Brennan has this. I don't, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I would do. Um, so we met with the physical therapist. She said, you know, you might want to um, meet with your pediatrician. So a week went by. We met with the, I, we brought Brennan in for a blood test on Friday. In, in the meantime, we're learning about Duchenne. Just thinking, I sort of put off my anxiety until I know, until I have the information. Cat, she gets very, very upset about these things. Um, so we did the blood test, and hopefully it's okay that I'm going into the little bit more detail about this. Of course, of course. So is it okay? All right. So, of course, the pediatrician is nervous about it. He doesn't like giving bad news, right? So we get the K, the um, the CK CK test, um, where they where they test for the enzyme in the blood. Yep. It's Friday evening. Uh, <laughs> And he's like, well, we'll take the test and I'll, I'll give you a call when we get the info. We waited till like six o'clock at night, just like waiting, waiting, waiting. He calls me, he's like, I, I'm sorry, like we're having to dilute his blood sample. Um, uh, we're getting there, we're getting there. So he calls me back at like six, he stayed until like midnight. He's like, we had to dilute his blood sample because his K, his, um, his uh, K levels were so high uh, in his blood. Uh, like thousands and thousands of levels higher. And uh, he's like, I'm sorry, I think he has this. I'm so sorry. Um, and then we were just destroyed. <laughs> like, what do you do? You know, we put him to bed and we called my parents and all I could do was just cry. Like, because neither of us knew, like we, neither of us knew. And my parents had just flown in from being out of the country. They were at the airport uh, and they said, okay, we'll come over tomorrow. So they came over for the weekend and we were just like numb. Like I barely even remember the weekend. Uh, so then early, so then early the next week we went to the, um, to the neurologist at children's hospital. Um, and he's like, yeah, I think we have this. And then I think he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is what it is. It's Duchenne. And that was it. That was it. Like in a matter of two weeks, uh, everything that we imagined for our life was, uh, <laughs> other than board games, <laughs> for me and my sons, everything was um, was uh, destroyed or dissipated. It was like that bubble that I had of all these things that we do as a family was just popped so yeah yeah we've been figuring it out ever since <laughs> what what type of things that you do you think um like you know like so you're talking about you kind of envision doing some things what do you what like specifically you know like what kind of things um i mean it's obvious that uh, the shin dramatically changes your your life and your future and what you can do and so what kind of things did you, you know what I mean? Like, were you planning on doing and then it kind of rooted those plans? What were those plans? 
Yeah, I mean, I had uh, I had uh, visions of going on family canoe trips, you know, in the boundary waters, uh, bringing all of our camping gear together, um, and uh, going out for days uh, camping where we hike up, bring all of our gear in. Um, I, we loved backpacking and that was the beautiful thing about having boys was that, Oh, you know, we could, we could uh, bring both boys out. We could go out as a family. There was that. There was playing sports with both boys, you know, um, you know, uh, mount, like I love mountain biking, going on bike rides, uh, We've we we got a bike trailer and I uh, have put that to very good use until now that Brendan got his power chair. But just a lot being outdoors. I mean fishing, you know, going on fishing trips, um uh playing soccer. I loved playing soccer, going for runs, um <laughs> being able to climb and uh I guess I always saw both boys doing it together um and owen is so physical uh and uh you know I, I i would say still i have not figured out how to be a dad to both boys simultaneously that's one of the hard things owen doesn't necessarily like board games owen likes to run around but at the same time, like so much of my attention is focused on Brendan and his needs that stepping away and like doing the physical stuff with Owen gets sometimes put aside. And so, um, yeah. How about like the real hard one for me was being, um, being an old man <laughs> with with both boys and their kids. Um, uh, I think everybody has a vision about what they want their family to be like, especially if they're close with their family, right? And um, there isn't usually room. Uh, there usually isn't a spot in that initial dream uh, that uh, involves um, working around disability initially. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's changing, mm -hmm. but we all we have our ideals, and then <laughs> we see what life has to offer us, and then very often is not in line with our ideals. So I think that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely see what you're saying. Um, okay, okay. So, you know, th this is a question that I always think is is pretty interesting, which is like, um, you know, what's it like from the parents' point of view? Because I remember as a little kid, I'd always um, fall on the floor frequently and, you know, get bruised up and all that stuff. And, you know, my dad would have to help me physically pick me up help me up so what's it like being a father you know seeing your child fall to the floor a lot and stuff like that 
It's heartbreaking. Uh, and frustrating. Uh, and uh, really, yeah, really, really sad. Um, I'm okay with being sad and with feeling grief and with being heartbroken. Because I think it a lot, I, I think when I don't shy away from it, it allows me to see everything um, and to see it more deeply. But shortly after, well, I mean, we, we got Brennan's diagnosis in April. And by August, we had to find a new house. Um, and then we moved. Then shortly after we moved, you know, when basically we're not even functioning, Brendan um, was in his room by himself. He fell, he hit the bed frame and fractured his arm. Mm. Right in half. <laughs> we're like, this is our life now. This is our life now. Um, he has fallen and almost bit through his tongue. He's fallen and knocked teeth out. He's fallen before we had his diagnosis. He got he had so many like uh, black and blue eggs, <laughs> Easter eggs on his forehead. Um, he really gets walked on a lot by his brother because Owen is so physical. Uh, and Owen doesn't really have boundaries with physical space. Owen's six. Um, Owen's pretty rough. So Brennan gets pushed over. Uh, we've had good support at school, which is nice. It was um, really, really difficult when we would get calls from school saying Brennan fell and he's bleeding, <laughs> you know, um, just this last weekend. We got together with the first DMD family we've ever gotten together with. We met this we met this mom and her kids. She just got a diagnosis. Her son was four. So we had him over. We were going to the park. Brendan just has his uh, wheelchair. I thought, hey, we're gonna show him that like it's doable, that like it's hard and it's heartbreaking, sure, but it's doable. Look how much fun Brendan's having. Well, Brendan ran his loner power chair at full speed into the metal slide on the playground and pinned his leg against slide. And here I am, thankfully the moms had gone back to the house, but here I am dad uh, hearing Brendan saying, I can't feel my foot, I can't feel my foot, I'm stuck. It hurts so bad. And I couldn't move the freaking wheelchair. And I didn't know how to operate the darn thing with the joystick from behind that like, you go one way and it goes the other way. And I'm like trying to pull this thing and it's in wood chips. I'm like, buddy, I can't move it. How do you do it? Um, and of course it's like, but I'm thinking he broke his foot it's over. Like, if he breaks his foot, he might not walk again, you know? 
Um, it's scary with the falls. Uh, it sucks to go to friends' houses and uh, to have all the kids doing their things, you know, jumping on trampolines, going up and down the stairs. And uh, Brennan falls and says, I need help. He's pretty good at asking for help. But just knowing that he can't do everything, you know. So, yeah, it hurts. We get really protective. Yeah. What, how, in the wheelchair, what, what do you, like, how does it, um, something about the disease that I think is so, uh, difficult for people to go through is that we know what's coming. We know, we know, we, it's basically set in stone in a sense, as of right now, right? It's inevitable yeah. that certain things are going to happen. Um, it's just a matter of when it happens. The fact that the the fate right now is that your son will go in a wheelchair. How do you uh, process that? What, what do you how, what do you think about that? It drives me very significantly into the present. Um, I tell people often, you know, it's interesting. Parents love to talk about the future. Oh, when so-and-so, like, they also love to, when they don't know about what we're going through, and I talk about the boys being difficult or not listening. <laughs> they say, oh, when they get older, it'll be better. Um, I'm very resistant to thinking too hard about the future. Um, because I don't know how, I don't know how we're gonna go on. Um, it's going to be really, really, really difficult. I trust that we're going to um, adapt as things change and get as, as Brennan's needs get more significant. Um, but I'm not a big guy, like lifting him, you know, like <laughs> I went and got him a sliding chair for the shower already for the tub because like, I'm afraid I'm going to drop him, you know, but it's only going to get more. It's only going to get more until until he dies and I don't know how I'm gonna survive that I mean I'm around death a lot as a chaplain uh, sometimes multiple people a week sometimes multiple people a day but if somebody's in the hospital even if they don't have DMD I've never met anyone dying of DMD um, God help me when I do, if I do, um, I would consider it a deep honor and a real, um, heartbreaking situation. But, um, I had one patient who was in his 50s, 60s, who had later stage muscular dystrophy. It was very, very hard even for me to go there because, I knew that that's what Brendan was going to be experiencing one day and at a much earlier age. 
um, or, you know, as it stands, it's likely. So I try not to think about it. Um, and yet I do still. I don't deny that it's reality or possibility. Um, I know that it breaks my heart. I don't know how my wife and I are going to um, uh, maintain a relationship through all this. Um, but I know that we have to stick together because neither of us can, definitely neither of us can do it alone. So it's a very difficult life that we've been given. On your uh, website, I remember you talked about that um, basically as a coping as a couple is what it's called, right? Um, so why don't you, yeah, why don't you tell us about, um, you know, because I would have, I would have zero clue since I'm a person with the disease. So what's it like being parents as a couple, um, having a child with the disease? What's that like? Yeah. <sighs> It's messy. It's messy. Um, and yeah, so I wrote a pretty raw article about that on my website, which is natebetker.com. Um, and uh, you know, Kat and I process things very differently. Um, I wish that we balanced each other out. I wish that were the case. And we're aware that we process things differently. And I think because we have that awareness, we're able to, on our good days, have grace to each other, towards each other, and recognize that whatever emotions we're in for her, she feels all the emotions. Oh my gosh. And she gets so overwhelmed. And when I'm stressed, I, I usually want to like disconnect, go do something, go sit out in the yard or like play a game on my computer or read or like get away from the intense emotions. And you can imagine that's not very conducive to us connecting together. Um, Patience usually has to happen on my part, uh, which is hard because it's like, it's basically like sitting under a waterfall or um, being sitting in the middle of a thunderstorm with rain and lightning being thrown at me from all directions. That's what it's like. And not saying anything, which is just gonna exacerbate the conflict um at the end of the day most of the time we crash most of the time we crash um but when i'm feeling the emotions which is sometimes at home and oftentimes when i get out of the house cats pretty sensitive um uh, and that's and that's helpful some people do things with their stress, they work on stuff, they get space, they think about it. Oftentimes that's me. And some people feel it 
and they have all the emotions and they have to talk, 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 talk it through. And that's usually the normal way of grief um, that we think about. But grief hits us on all ends of the spectrum. So is that does that answer your question or do you have any follow-ups to that? Um I don't know if I have any follow-ups. Yeah, definitely answers the question. Um, I do. I, I definitely see what you're saying too, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just super difficult and something that you don't plan on encountering. I mean, it, it definitely is not everyone's. Like you said earlier, it's not in the dream of really anyone with the disease, the parents or the child. You know, it's not when you're a little kid. You don't dream, "Oh, I'm going to grow up and um, be confined to a wheelchair," and you don't dream oh, my son is going to grow up and be confined to a wheelchair. That's never really the plan, you know? It's always like, I grow up to be a great athlete or you go explore the world or start a family or do something cool. You know, that's the, the patient point of view. And then like the parent, you know, I, I plan on, I dream of my kids growing up and starting their own family and being a grandpa and all that stuff, right? Like that's the normal vision that people have. And like the shin doesn't allow that. It, robs you of that dream i would say this because i'm sure that there are many parents that are tuning into your podcast i imagine that every parent is just trying to survive um we all have our ways of um processing this i know that there are so many parents who because they're the ones that are out there they're the ones that are fundraising and they're the ones that are you know saying we're gonna give our kids everything that they could ever dream of we're gonna have all the fun that we can you know like let's let's get money like that is a means of making sense of it and surviving and some parents are just completely overwhelmed. And I'm sure many of them don't even know how to, like, barely even know how to get up in the morning. Right? Um, neither is better or worse. Neither is better or worse. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're all in this together. And it's a really tough, tough situation. For parents, for young boys, for young men, uh, uh, it's tough. It's a tough situation. Um, and uh, just because we can admit that it's that it's sad, or, or that it's or that it's painful, doesn't necessarily make it bad. I always say to people. Just be, and it's kind of cliche, but just because it's sad doesn't mean it's bad. Grief is a thing that we learn how to do. And it allows us to be vulnerable with people. Uh, it allows us to be honest. Uh, uh, to be truthful about where we are and what our reality is. People connect to that. People connect to that deeply. Um, much more than, you know, very hopeful 
I mean, it's good to have hope, but um, to refuse to think about the painful stuff, um, I think makes it harder in the long run because ultimately the pain is going to hit us. You know, does that make sense? Uh, and, and I, and I, I think parents need to hear that. It's okay. It's okay to, to break down, uh, to not know how to go on. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like accepting. Yeah. And accepting is complicated because I'm sure some parents are going to say, I can't accept this. This is why I have to fight for it. I can't accept that this is going to happen. Well, as we know, life happens whether we accept it or not. <laughs> uh, we don't have a choice. Uh, life happens. Uh, and um, so we need to be honest about that tension. It might be more honest to say, I have a really difficult time accepting it. No, I want more than anything for my son to be healthy, uh, to not have a disability, um, but he does. And admitting that I wish it were otherwise and uh, it is this way um, makes all of us stronger, I think, you know, um, yeah. So, so in a sense, made you a better person. <laughs> I want to say I could have been a great person without this. <laughs> I could have been a better person without it for sure. Um, what it has um, done to me is made me a much more sensitive person, a much more caring person, uh, a much more uh, realistic uh, and authentic person. You know, the first three months that, the first three months that we knew about, D, about Brendan's DMD before we let everyone know, we were in a complete fog. I don't even know how I went to work every day. Uh, I don't even remember it. Uh, and then the three months after everyone found out, when I started talking about it and writing about it, again, it was what I called the collective heartbreak because people all across the country, everywhere we've lived, all of our family couldn't imagine um, what that means, what it means uh, to have a to have a son with DMD, what it means for the family. So I learned that it would have driven me crazy to try and pretend like everything was great. Uh, now I don't have to. Now I don't have to pretend that everything is great. Um, I can honestly say 
it's not going great. <laughs> we had a really hard weekend. Uh, I feel like a DMD family now. We have a we have a, a wheelchair van which we just got yesterday, by the way. And um, good God, the expenses uh, for parents um, are feeling that. So it's made me a more trusting person. I trust um, that life, the world, our community loves us and wants to support us. There have been many times where we just didn't know like how we were gonna, <laughs> we couldn't even make dinner. <laughs> And our and our church family raw food for like two months, maybe a little bit more. I think almost every night of the week. Um, the, the 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 people that have reached out on Facebook, uh, the amount of tears that people have shed on our behalf, um, makes me feel like I'm not alone. And none of us really are. Oh, well, I should qualify that because oftentimes we are and we really do feel alone in this. Um, and that's why I try and be available, you know, and compassionate so that people who feel alone maybe don't feel so alone, you know? So, yeah. That's how I, um, that's, that's how I uh, would say that it's changed me. How is your, like, George, George, how does that make you feel? How does Destroy Duchenne make me feel? Hmm. Like um, the work that you're doing or like the, the concept behind the, um, like, what do you mean? Like, what about Destroy Duchenne? Like the whole organization. Well, one, I think it's amazing. Um, my wife and I were gonna start a podcast called On Joy and Sorrow. Uh, it was gonna be about grief about spirituality, because that's big for us, and about living with um, a disability. <laughs> we have enough trouble conversing when it's not recorded. Um, but part of that was because I know that the voices need to be heard. And that's the beautiful thing about what you're doing, is that you're giving a chance for the voices to be heard. You're getting the word out, at least if it accomplishes anything in the least, it provides a place for folks who are just trying to find people to share their experience with. Uh, I mean, everything that I do is in helping people put words to their experience, to their spiritual life, to the difficulty that they're going through. Um, Everything that I do is committed to that. And that's what you're doing too, is you are giving people the opportunity to put words to their experience. As parents, 
as people with uh, with Duchenne, yourself and the things that you're learning, that's huge. And that's transformational. Now, do they, um, we need people who are, um, shall I say aggressively? Because let's face it, I'm looking at the teeth in a D, <laughs> staring back at me. Um, you're aggressively pursuing uh, a cure for Duchenne and everything that you can do. That's needed. That is needed. Um, and there are people like yourself who are gifted in doing that. Um, Duchenne has provided motivation for people. Now, on the flip side, I would say let's not focus so much on um, what is not reality yet. Um, let's not focus so much on what we hope to see happen that we ignore what is happening in front of us. I don't think you're doing that. <laughs> that's what the podcast is all about. You know, that's what you're sharing your story on Instagram is all about. Um, it's about talking about what's happening now too. That's important. You know, I don't want to see parents, uh, so um, uh, so wrapped up in their hope that if it so happens that their hopes do not come true, that they're shattered and devastated with nothing left, right? And I see that in the medical field a lot, you know. Um, and I can talk about that later. It's not necessarily related to destroy defense. But I do love what you're doing. And it gets me really excited to see um, you uh, stepping out uh, and, and pursuing this uh, out of your own initiative, which is great. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about the article you read, the me, uh, which you, I guess you titled it, I wish I didn't have special muscles, which is a quote um, that your son said. And um, I mean, I could read the whole thing, but I'll just let you explain it. Um, I think it was a really, it really, uh, I don't know, when I read it, I thought, wow, this is something that needs to be shared with the whole community. This is something that needs to be um, talked about, right? And so, yeah, why don't you tell us about that, that you wrote? I don't know if, you know. Yeah, um, I remember it. I, lo I looked at it the other day, and I'm amazed that it was two years ago, and that's the last thing that I wrote on my website about Duchenne. Uh, I guess I posted more on Instagram and Facebook about it. Um, and there have been more experiences as well. So when we first told Brendan, he was five. He said, you know, Brendan, you have, you, have, you know how you fall a lot? Now it's harder for you to get up and down the stairs. It's because you have special muscles, buddy. 
your muscles don't work the same as everybody else. Um, that was such a good way of, of starting that conversation, you know. Um, and slowly, we've talked more and more about it. Uh, Brendan doesn't know the full extent of what Duchenne means for him. <laughs> and that, this is how I first got a hold of you because I, I wondered when, how, and what was it like when you finally found that out? <clears throat> because every time that Brendan has these realizations, it breaks my heart. So we were, um, we were, I don't know, pulling them around the farmer's market um, in a, in a, uh, in a wagon. And uh, he, he basically just said to me, dad, I wish I didn't have special muscles. Owen can do all these things. He can run and he can jump and he can climb and I can't do any of those things. I wish I didn't have special muscles. For me, there's always the need to um, hear him and affirm what he's feeling first. And I said, yeah, but I wish you didn't have special muscles either. It's true, there's a lot of things you can't do. Um, and there are a lot of things you can do. And we talked about those things. Uh, so I don't automatically say, don't say that. Or, yeah, but you can do all these other things. Let's not focus on the negative. <laughs> because that's oftentimes like what they do at the doctor's office. You know, um, people who are trying to offer support say, yeah, but you can do all these other things. It's like, I don't think you heard me. I don't think you heard Brendan. He just realized he can't do everything that everybody else can, and he wishes it were otherwise. I'm going to let him feel that, you know? We were watching, a, um, oh, God, this one broke my heart. We're, we, every Friday, we, we do a um, family movie night. We were watching this movie about Santa, how Santa, like, <laughs> this other Santa took over, and basically, if kids, like, weren't good, like if they didn't, um, you know, if they peed in their bed, if they didn't brush their teeth, um, they didn't get presents. And it cut down on the amount of work that they had to do at the North Pole, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Brendan like started crying. I mean, this was just like last winter. I mean, he is eight. He started crying and he says, oh no, I can't do a lot of things. Does that mean that Santa's not going to bring me presents because I can't do a lot of things? And like Kat and I both just started crying right there because he started crying. Like he just started crying. And uh, I'm like, no, bud, that's, a, <laughs> that's not the way Santa is. Like you are going to get presents. It's okay. You know, it's okay. Um, but there are other things too. Brendan has high hopes for his future. You know, he wants to be an archeologist. He wants to be a scientist. Uh, there's no reason why he can't pursue those things. 
Um, but it's the moments when I have to say, yeah, I wish it wasn't that way either. I wish, I wish there wasn't a high likelihood that you were gonna die early. <laughs> I'd give both of my legs and both of my arms <laughs> for that, you know? I'd rather be in a wheelchair if you could live, you know, until uh, you were old. Right now, it doesn't look like that's the case. We don't know. You know, of course, grandpa says, oh, but there's advancements in medicine happening all the time. The doctors say, oh, but there's advancements in medicine happening all the time. Okay, tell us about the case studies that Brendan is eligible for since he's only one in four in the whole database with his certain genetic uh, uh, abnormality or he's not fully mobile or he's too old. Uh, tell us about that. <laughs> While at the same time, try to emphasize all the advancements that are happening. You have to do both, you know, let's be realistic. So when it comes time for Brendan to learn the fullness, like you did when you were 15, we're just gonna, I, we gotta be there with him, you know? walk through it with them, let it frame the way that we see life as we go. So yeah, it's where we are now. Hmm, um, What's yeah. that like for you hearing that? Gosh. Um, I mean, my honest thoughts are it's, it's uh, highly motivating. Um, in the fact that I want to give everything that I have to change the course of one's fate, right? Because, you know, I have a little, look, look, I have a little brother that has the disease. Uh, he's 12 and I see him every day. I have a 14 year old brother who passed away last year and I've seen what that does to parents and a family. So, you know, I am, and I have the disease, so I go through it every day. So just hear the cry, look, I'm going to at the least make sure the world hears the cries of the Dishin community because I don't think the world knows and truly understands what people go through every single day and what they have to think about when it comes to this disease. I'm gonna change that. That's what I wanna get done at the very least. Um, but I ultimately want to destroy the disease, cure it completely. And so that's what I think to hearing that. I love that in the very beginning, you said, what did you say? Like when you first started it, you said something like, I'm going to cure this disease or die trying. Cure this disease or die trying. What else is there? <laughs> you know? Yep. That's taking um, head on reality. 
that's it. I'm either going to cure it or I'm going to die. <laughs> but I'm going to give it everything I got. And that's all that I can do. And that's all that matters, I think. And I think that's respectable. Beautiful. It's uh, strong. It's honorable. Uh, it's honest. Uh, and that's everything that I, as a father, ask for. You know? That's what I want. And Brendan is like, Brendan is brutally honest himself. <laughs> the kid, he's nine. Okay, let, let me give you a picture of Brendan. He told me one day, because some, I think one of us was reading like the story from one of these kids' Bibles about seven day creation. He's like, the earth wasn't created in seven days. It's like, it was created in billions and billions of years. It evolved from a single, from tiny organisms. I'm like, he's like, God doesn't exist. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you're like seven. Um, what do you mean? He's like, God didn't create the earth in seven days. I'm like, where do you think the organisms came from, dude? He's like, other organisms. I'm like, okay, bud. And I'm the kind of guy, I'm going to let him, let him think for himself. You know, at least he's thinking. Uh, he goes, I said, well, what do you believe in? He's like, nature. Like, well, that's fine. Like, well, like, do you believe in, like, he loves Star Wars. Do you believe in the force? I mean, that's like in all things. Yeah, I totally believe in the force. Like, well, that's fine with me. I do too, you know. Um, he's like, but I don't believe in God. Just the force and nature and Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> I'm like, cool, dude. Like, <laughs> let's start there. Um, let's start there. And then, like, he comes up with all these big questions. I got home one day and there were, like, five questions on the board, on the dry erase board. One was... It, at the top, it said Brendan's questions of the day. He came up with on his own. The first was, where did the universe come from? <laughs> this is like an eight-year-old. The second was, um, why do I feel like I'm being watched? <laughs> and then there was a couple about like dinosaurs or something like that. But I encourage Brennan to be brutally honest to you, just like you. And uh, I desire for him to feel the same kind of motivation that you do to um, when he realizes what he's up against, to not say, oh, I can't go on, like, I'm just going to watch TV. Uh, uh, but to really be motivated. And it's guys like you that, that, that's, that set the tone for that, you know? I'm going to be like, buddy, it's time for you to tune into Elijah Stacy. <laughs> you know? Like, this is why I asked you last week. Because I was like, okay, you're talking about what Duchenne is. Like, 
He's nine. Is he ready for it? And I don't know that he is. But there will be a time where I'll be like, Brendan, it's time for you to tune into Elijah Stacey <laughs> and see what he has to say because I think he's got a message for you. Uh, I look forward to that day. I really do. Uh, and I'm very grateful that voices like yours are out there and that you're doing the work that you are because it allows, it gives me a place uh, to steer him uh, for extra support. That's an yeah. honor to to hear that, uh, truly. Um, uh, yeah, you know, your son sounds really smart. He sounds like an intellectual. Um, that's kind of how I was when I was a little kid. When I was eight, I started, you know, does God exist? You know, is there evidence and reasoning and asking the big questions and just a really curious person about the world and and um and all that stuff so yeah no um that's really that's really cool um maybe you'll get to interview him one day yeah that'd be awesome that'd be awesome or you know um perhaps doing an interview when he's a little kid and you know we just talk about you know just normal stuff and then a few years later do another interview when you know that'd be kind of cool too um you know i do that with my little brother he's 12 and so you know to replay that for him when he's 16 or whatever you know that's a dramatic change from uh that time um yeah you know i think we kind of we covered it all i think i don't i want to ask you if there's anything that you want to bring up and and ask me or talk about now you know kind of give the kind of let you ask the questions if you have anything you want to bring up give you an opportunity to do that well i said a lot of what i wanted to say i do i would say that for folks to listen to this very much welcome um, folks to find me uh, on my website, uh, natebetker.com. Maybe you can link to it or something. Um, you can link to my Instagram, which at this point is, you can either find me with Nathan Betker or Wendell and the Wild, which is, Wendell's my dog, and I do a lot of reflecting because Wendell's like my, <laughs> sometimes my salvation. Um, so I, I just invite people to be in conversation with me because I want to be in conversation with folks, you know, my life is to support people as they walk through these kinds of things and they reflect on what it means for them. You know, that's my work, whether it's in the hospital or whether it's my personal practice. Um, it's to walk through the ups and downs and support people spiritually, uh, however, they, however they come to terms with that. Um, it's, been, it's what I've been doing for like the last 20 years. Um, all that being said, um, for you, Elijah, um, What does this do, um, having Duchenne 
working at Destroy Duchenne, how does it impact you on like a, a spiritual level? And I know like your podcast is not necessarily um, a spiritual, like spiritual focused. Hopefully it's okay for me to ask this. Um, uh, like, yeah. How does it, imp- how does it affect you? Can you answer that? Or is it too big of a question? Well, like, what do you, what do you mean by, uh, like, what do you, like, can you go more in depth with the question? I'm kind of. Okay. Some people pray for a miracle Mm. and that's, and that's all. And that's, and that's what they're doing. Like, they're just praying for a miracle, praying for a miracle, praying for a miracle. Okay. I've seen a lot of people praying for miracles in the hospital. Some have got them and some haven't. And I've seen a lot of people get what we might call miracles that haven't been asking for them. I honestly don't pray for miracles. Um, I ask for the strength to, uh, the strength and the compassion to get through every day. Uh, for the, the grace to be patient with my family. Uh, the ability to carry other people's burdens when I'm shouldering some pretty heavy ones myself. That's all, that's, that's all spirit, spiritual, like heart level stuff for me. Um, I feel like for me personally, God doesn't, um, God, God is present in the good stuff and the bad stuff. He doesn't take away, God doesn't take away all suffering uh, because of us doing good things, uh, but that suffering is a part of life and it's a part of what we're given, you know, to make us uh, deeper and wider people. And so, um, my question for you, that's, that would be how I answer that question. My question for you is, what does this do to you? What kind of person does this make you? In terms of the disease or the, the organization? The disease. I think that the disease, you know, I was thinking quite a lot about it actually earlier today. It's, uh, I could go on for a long time about what this disease has made me, um, but it has given me the opportunity, in a sense, the characteristics needed to help people uh, overcome their suffering. You know, you could talk about, I have lots and lots of friends, lots and lots of friends, but I still, because of the the disease, know what it's like to be lonely. Um, And so I can help people that suffer from loneliness. I don't really battle anxiety and I really don't fear this too much, but I can help people with anxiety because there's certain things that I'd have to worry about, you know, such as, you know, perhaps dying, right? I can help people when it comes to death. I personally do not fear death in the slightest bit now. Um, I think that's probably because I've been thinking and facing it since I was 15 and I have a lot of other reasons for why I don't fear death too, which uh, I'll talk about later. Um, it definitely has made me more determined and fired up and, and stronger and, and, uh, 
very strong minded, you know, I don't really get offended by stuff very easily because, you know, I, ever since basically five, you know, being watched, being judged, being stared at for walking on my toes to falling on the floor, you know, being that center of attention, I hated it. I don't know. I didn't want the extra attention. I don't never wanted that. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I still don't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't want that at all. You know, then being 11, you know, being in a wheelchair, you know, having to take steroids, then you gain weight because of that. Um, going into the wheelchair, you know, big bulky wheelchair, people looking at you because of that, you know, that's even more judgment. So I can relate to that, but now I don't even care about judgment at all. It doesn't even stop me. And so it really just seems like this disease has built me into what I need to be today so that I can destroy this disease so I can cure it. Um, because, you know, public speaking is not something I fear now, you know, and that, that has to, that has to be because I don't care about judgment like I used to. Right. And so it's like, you know, you, you build all these things together and it has made me just a more empathetic person too, you know, trying to always look and put myself in other people's shoes. And, uh, I don't know if I'm giving you a straight answer, but it's, it's really, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It has built me into, uh, I would say it's made me a better person for sure. You know, if you read the Bible, right in Romans, um, I think it's Romans five, three, um, Paul talks about how, um, basically, um, people, well, he talks about how suffering leads to, um, perseverance and, and how it builds better character and, and better character leads to hope and whatever. And so I really like that. And, uh, I just want to say as an organization, I'm not endorsing any particular religion. I'm just sharing my personal views. So I want to separate the two, but, um, but it's kind of the combination of all that. Yeah. And it's a remarkable place to be at 18. Are you 18? Uh, I just turned 19, um, August 22nd. So a few days ago. Weird. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's <you>. awesome. <laughs> But that's an incredible place to be. And um, I, I sense it in you, a compassion for people that are hurting, uh, a perseverance, um, and, and a self-assuredness. Uh, that can be impacted by our beliefs and by our, by our, um, by our spiritual life. Uh, and, and of course our beliefs and our spiritual life are impacted by that. Um, that's something we bring with us. doesn't mean that's what the organization is about. You know, it's like me. I mean, like I'm a chaplain, but, and people are always like, so like, what kind of chaplain are you? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I know what they're asking me. Are you Catholic or are you Lutheran? And I say, uh, sometimes I think I'm a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> You know, like, uh, we care for all people. And uh, it sounds like that's what you're, what you're, what you're shooting for, what you're, um, what you're pushing for. And I think that's a beautiful and amazing thing. Um, I just, I look forward to seeing um, where it all goes. I uh, look forward to maybe Brendan having a conversation with you one day. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, definitely we'll be recommending 
<laughs> your um, podcast and everything that you're doing to as many people as I can. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I think it will help everybody, you know, hearing your story, hearing all the other stories of the people affected by the disease. You know, I think that helps. I think, you know what, something else I've done or not done, but discovered, noticed, solidified my belief actually, because I, I kind of believe this beforehand, but since I've been doing these podcasts a lot lately, the Deshen community is super philosophical. I mean, we have a lot of things to offer everybody, whether they have Deshen or not. The advice, the experiences that has lead, led to people's beliefs and, and attitudes towards things is just remarkable to say the least. And I think whether everybody suffers in some way, right? Whether they're super rich, super famous, whatever, they all suffer in some type of way. And I think that people need to listen to the Deshin community because of the, the amazing outlook we have on life, the amazing, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. We're, we're very, very, very credible. I mean, if you're a parent, you have seen the hardship that it, uh, causes. If you're a person with the disease, you see, you live the hardship every single day, you know, uh, you, we're very credible people is what I'm saying when it comes to suffering and hardship. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I say like, let's not try and escape suffering. That's not the, that's not the goal. Let's not pretend that it doesn't exist because suffering is what makes us deep and wide people suffering is what can motivate us to increase compassion and love in the world and healing it has to you know there's whole there's whole religions and spiritual traditions that that are centered around contemplating <laughs> suffering mm. uh, and, and our response to suffering meditating on our own death you know contemplating our own death definitely wasn't what i was thinking about at 15 you know yeah. but to have that i mean i do now i don't have the luxury as a chaplain to live like suffering doesn't exist or that i could die any day you know i could die before brendan could happen um but to, but to be honest about that and to um, not dwell on it, but admit the reality of it, because it really could happen to any of us, some of us more likely than others. Um, it, 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 shape, it shapes us, you know, and uh, I hear what you're saying it does make for credibility it does uh that's that's something that i never i mean this is like in the moment me realizing i never really thought about that as applied to brendan i get worried about his ability to cope with this now you know, he cries and he screams at his brother and he yells a lot. Um, but he's got two parents who are pretty tuned in. <laughs> uh, and when the time comes, I would imagine similarly to you, 
this is going to add that credibility to his life and to whatever he puts his mind to and his heart and his body to whatever he can put his body to, right? Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I agree. Credibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you for that. Is there anything else you want to bring up or um, for me, I've, um, you know, I'm definitely going to, if you want, have you on again, talk about more things um, and maybe do like follow up. Um, but as of now, I've, I've asked everything I wanted to ask. Is there anything that you want to bring up or talk about? I don't think so. This has been so great. It's been so great. And uh, I can't wait to see how, I can't wait to see um, the response. I can't wait to see how people um, react. I um, sometimes I'm sometimes I'm nervous that my my um, very deliberate desire to face reality um, will make people uncomfortable or even make them angry. And sometimes it does in the hospital, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, but I can't wait to see how people respond. Can't wait to see what you're able to do with this. And, uh, yeah, again, I can't wait to talk again. Maybe Brendan and I can get on with you sometime and, <laughs> you know, have a father and son combo with you. That would be kind of cool. That'd be super cool. We should do that. We should definitely do that. I, I'm more than down to do that. We should, um, totally do that. Um, yeah. give it a, give it a, you know, get, give you a chance to have some more interviews. You know, we get back in touch or stay in touch whenever you feel like, okay, you know, like, I think it's time. Or when I feel like Brendan's at a, at a point, I mean, he's at a point now, but I think that some more depth to, um, to uh, his understanding will, will uh, be coming down the road and I'll know. I'm pretty good at trusting my intuition. So yeah, we'll make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. That being said, the way that we close the podcast is uh, we both say complete the cure, uh, which is the official trademark slogan of the straightish in. So on a okay. three, two, one, we're going to say complete the cure. All right. All right. Three, two, one, complete the cure. Complete the cure. Let's go. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Destroy to Shin podcast. Um, if you want to learn more, go to destroytoshin.org. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Destroy to Shin. That's a really good place to stay up to date. And um, definitely check out the other uh, other podcasts, listen to them, and um, just share it with people. And let's get this word out there. Let's make the Deshin community known. So thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>